This podcast is proudly sponsored by O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Jeff Lawson, a former Australian cricketer and fast bowler, playing 46 tests and 79 one-day internationals in the green and gold. He took 180 test wickets and 395 wickets for New South Wales. Post-career, he's been a coach, a commentator and media personality and is a mad golfer. And Mike Whitney, a former Australian cricketer and fast bowler, playing 12 tests for Australia and 38 one-day internationals. He took 39 test wickets and 314 for New South Wales. Post-career, he's been a media personality, hosting Sydney's Good Weekender for 26 years and is often seen fronting the Mike Whitney band. Let's get started. On the show today, Jeff Lawson, a former Australian cricketer and fast bowler. Welcome, Henry. What a delight to be talking to you, Shane. Very good. And Mike Whitney, a former Australian cricketer and fast bowler. Welcome, Big Roy. Hey, Shane. Nice to be here with you, mate. How are we, boys? Now, look, I'm, I'm really excited. The fact that I've got two real New South Welshmen on, on the show today. I learned a lot from you, too, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we've got the State of Origin coming up this Wednesday, Wit. And I know you love your footy. You're a South man. How do you reckon we'll go up at Lang Park? Well, of course, Lang Park will make it tough. And I think they've opened the gates up, haven't they, to allow everybody going? They have. So the Blues supporters will be definitely outnumbered. But, look, every time we played away on a, another ground, that I think that encouraged us to try and go a bit harder. And I thought the boys played fantastic last week. They all just clicked into gear and, and played some fantastic football. So... Yeah, look, it'll be much tougher with that home ground advantage, but I think we can do the business. Hey, and Henry, I reckon you're, you're a fantastic captain, and the reason we had great strain captains in Mark Taylor and um, and Steve Waugh was was a lot of the way you captained New South Wales team back then. Mate, what, did it, what does it mean to be a, a New South Welshman to you, Henry? Ah, uh, well, plenty, of course. I mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a bit different from Whit there because I'm a country boy, you know, being from Wagga Wagga, so I've got a rural background, of course. Now, reference to the rugby league, well, I had a first cousin who, who played for Canterbury in the 67 grand final and went on a kangaroo tour. So there's, there's a lot of rugby league in the, the Lawson slash Goldspink uh, veins. Um, so a lot, lot of league as well. Uh, Henry, was that Kevin Goldspink? That is Kevin Goldspink. He had a, yes, he, had he was a, a very good player, bro. And his son, Brett, played a bit for the Illawarra Steelers and South and then went to England. So... Uh, a lot of league around there, but, but you know, I mean, when you're a kid growing up, you want to play for your state and for your country and and the chance and the thought ever to play at the SCG and, and put on the two blues, let alone a, a baggy green, was always absolutely paramount in your mind. When you're playing in the backyard and getting the bindi eyes out of the ball from the dog, uh, <laughs> you always thought you might be at the SCG one day on that absolute piece of carpet. So... Yeah, but being a blue bag's a, a, a pretty big deal. And, uh, of course, I might leave it to, to Big Roy to, to, to say the, the phrase that we use yes. for greatest New State, South Wales. Yeah, Henry, greatest state, province or county in the history of cricket anywhere in the world, and we continue to be so. Yeah, 100%. And we, we, what, did, what did it mean to you? I remember um, when I first met you, I think I came to the state squad. I was about 17, and we did a run around – Centennial Park there. I remember Slats was there as well. And we just beat you back. And you're a bit older than us. And you gave us a rocket. 
I said, if I ever get that close to you again, boys, you will not be in the state squad for very long. Once you knock off one of those push bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that day well, Shano, and I just thought, you know, Slats and you being young blokes, you shouldn't have a an old fella up your backside. You should be fresh and a long way in front. I don't think I got anywhere near you guys after that, which was which was great. Yeah, we took your advice. But to play for New South Wales, wow. Look, my, I've got to be honest with you, my focus in my teen years was rugby league and I played up until I was 20 and I'd, I'd had um, a couple of uh, trials, possibles and probables trials for Souths and I really loved it. And and But when I was 17, I went down to Ramwick and, found cricket and came through the ranks very quickly. But I'd all, always understood that even playing first grade in your local community, and for me, that was Randwick, um, but then to go on to play for New South Wales. And I was very, very lucky, Shane, that I had blokes already in the team like Henry and, and of course, Rick McCosker, Dougie Walters, Graham Beard, Stumper, you know, Peter Tui. John Dyson, absolute diehard blue baggers who really loved playing for the state and made me understand what it meant when I got in the team. And I carried that through and hopefully passed some of that legacy on. But like Henry said, mate, to see your name up on the old SCG scoreboard. Yeah, it was a good feeling. Ah, mate, it was, for me, it was just. And then, of course, as you continue to play, your name goes up on all those scoreboards. And in our day and in our early career, there, there was they, they were the original scoreboards and it was just something that, mate, I, I, I still can't believe it sometimes. It's just such a special, special thing to be sure is. Mark Taylor said once that he reckons you're not a good bloke if you don't have a nickname. And now you two have both got a few nicknames. So who gave you your nickname, Henry? Well, it's a very straightforward story. That Growing up in Wagga, I was never called Henry. I mean, I was Lorso or Jeffro or <laughs> Laurie Daly still calls me Jeffro because he's from Juni just up the road, uh, <laughs> but never Henry. But the very first day I went to the University of New South Wales Cricket Club practice, it was a rainy March day. I was the start of the academic year, but end of the cricket season and practice got rained off and I was meeting the club secretary in the in the the Sam Cracknell Pavilion, along with uh, along with a guy called Peter Jordan from Wagga, who ended up running the NRL and and the Cowboys to their first premiership. And I met the, the club secretary. I said, yeah, hello, yeah, Jeff Lawson, how are you going? Yeah, nice to meet you. And one of the players was living in the college across the road. He came over to meet us. His name was James George Robson. Jungle. One of the most famous club players ever. And I just introduced myself. Oh, hi, Jeff Lawson. And he just said, oh, Henry. I suck. That, that was it. So since 19, March 1976, oh, I'm known by 99% of the people as, as Henry. And then yeah, when you go overseas or sometimes you've got to explain to people where Henry Lawson comes from, you know, famous short story prose writer, journalist. Uh, his face was on the $10 note and he died a destitute alcoholic. In <laughs> so I'm hoping not to go the same way as my namesake. I don't think it's going to happen to you, Henry. <laughs> And, and, and Wit, so we often call you Big Roy because your middle name is Roy, but when in, in the younger days, your, your nickname was crazy, wasn't it? Yes, it was, Shano. It was, you know, a lot of people call me Wit or Widow. Yeah. You know, the South Africans call me Witsy. Witsy, Witsy. how are you, my friend? And, but, <laughs> uh, yes, in my teen years growing up in the, the South Sydney suburb of Matraville, it was pretty lively and uh, we weren't getting up to – uh, anything of, of criminal matters, but it was a lively place to grow up. 
Yep. And uh, when I went down to Randwick, uh, had the big mop top and um, was bowling pretty quick in, in fourth grade and then, and then not much time in thirds and then seconds and then got into first immediately after that. And the boys down there just went, mate, you're crazy. You are absolutely <laughs> – I was, I was pretty aggressive on the pitch at the time and I think I was more of a, a rugby league player playing cricket, you know. And yeah. it got into – when I got into New South Wales uh, in the, the blue side, it was still crazy. In about, about 82, 83, Mo Matthews in the dressing room one day just looked at me and he said, it's not crazy anymore. And I went – well, you know, Mo, he can just go off on those tangents, you know. Yep. It's not crazy anymore. I said, what are you talking about? He went, it's Big Roy from now on. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. And I thought about it later and it was almost Mo saying to me that you'd gone through that stage of craziness and now you were, you were lining it up and you were becoming a, a first-class bowler. I didn't realise that at the time, wow. but that's what he was saying. Yeah, well, of course, before that, at Randwick, when John Dyson used to invite Crazy down to the SCG to state practice to bowl, <laughs> they all called him Crazy and they believed that was the, the absolute case. But uh, things certainly changed when he started playing for the Blues. I remember him going to one of those training sessions at the SCG on number two in 1979-80, the season that I got into first grade, and bowling to Stumper. And I bounced him about six balls in a row and he chased me out of the net. <laughs> he said, who the so-and-so do you think you are? And I said something like, oh, well, if you don't like it, get out the net. Fancy saying that. I played like four first grade games and here was Stumper. It was Stumper Rickson. You know, oh, man, I was crazy in those days, Shane, I've got to tell you. It's mad. Well, mate, my, my nickname went from Meadow Lee to Fugly, so yeah. I'm not sure what that's all about. That's right. But, um, Henry, so you had a lot of Injuries sort of early in your career, but your third test in the Green of Golf Australia at Lord, you take seven for 81. You really took over from DK Lilly. Mate, they were massive shoes to fill. Well, what did that feel like at the time for you? Well, first of all, it was great playing with him because he was on that 81 Ashes tour and I was just the, the junior player. I got to play the first couple of test matches. Sadly, during that, that infamous third test at Headingley, that's when I did my back again. I was out for about three months after that. But I mean, playing with Dennis was was a, a highlight. You know, to me, he's still the best fast bowler in, okay. in any conditions. You know, whether it's a flat, slow one at Adelaide Oval, whether it's Perth, where he where he obviously learned his trade, or a, a slow, seeming cutting one at the SCG. I mean, Dennis had it all, and I saw him play through some injuries. He used to have the bone fragments taken out of his his left knee every six weeks. He'd just go with the doctor. Uh, they'd, they'd scrape his knee out and he'd be back at practice in a couple of days' time and, and ready to play the next test match. So he had a lot of courage, he had a lot of skill, and he was he was very helpful to me. He wasn't the kind of guy who would would see you do something on the field and, and come to you and say, oh, maybe you should try X, Y, and Z. But if you ask him, he he did not withhold any information. So when, once you learnt that, uh, he was just a just a mine of information about the game on and off the field, how to train properly, uh, you know, how to bowl in certain circumstances. Um, he tried to teach me how to drink rum and coke, but that didn't go down too well. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, playing with him was was a great education in itself, and you know, inspired me even more. When I was growing up in the backyard at Wagga, I wanted to be Dennis Lilly, and then I got to play with him, and, and that they're great things in sport that you, you can aspire to. 
Fantastic. And with, so you you were over you were over playing a league season years ago, and then you um, due to one of your injuries, Henry, you get Correct. your call up with. I was gonna th- I was gonna thank Henry when he mentioned his back went in the third test because <laughs> yeah, I, I went over there to play um, in the Northern League in Lancashire for a club called Fleetwood. Yep. And about six or seven weeks into that season, I got a phone call from Greg Geese who was in the New South Wales team, fantastic batsman from Newcastle, really good player. He was on an SO scholarship down at Gloucestershire and they'd had a couple of injuries. So I went down, I signed up with those guys and was playing a couple of midweek three-day games and the old 60-over John Player League match. And Henry and Rodney Hogg were injured and during this game at Cheltenham, we were playing Hampshire, I was sitting on the balcony and Fred Bennett, the manager of the Australian cricket team, rang. The bloke ran out with his phone and he went, Mr. Whitney, the managers from the Australian cricket team's on the phone. And I thought it was a GR. <laughs> and I actually said, mate, you can go and get so-and-so so, and hung the phone up. And he rang back and it was Fred Bennett, the manager of the team. I said, oh, I'm sorry, Fred, for swearing. He said, you've been picked in the side, get in the car and leave now. Wow. And I debuted the next day. And to follow on what Henry was saying about Dennis Lilly, I roomed with him. How was that like? In my first test match. And it was like, ah, mate. Well, everything that Henry just said, 100%. And I had a million questions that I was asking him. But it was just, it was like rooming with God, mate. It was like, (laughs) it was, I stood to attention when he first came in the room. (laughs) And he went, no, 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 just relax, mate. Relax. It was. And he's he's young man. And of course, Henry was there. John Dyson was there. Stumper was there. Trevor Chappell was there, Graham Beard was there, Dirk Wellen was there. So there was a lot of New South Welshmen in that squad and that made me feel very, very comfortable being with my mates cool. and being in a team with Rod Marsh and Dennis Lilly and it was just insane. You, you look at the, the players now these days, each player's got their own room and we all had roomies throughout our playing years. And um, Henry, you're well known, you, you weren't a, a big drinker and in your room you'd often... You'd even tape up the um, the air conditioning units because you didn't want to get a cold. But we, you, you, what are you, you laughing you, at? You know that's true. You, you know, <laughs> blowing through your room. But, but we, which you, your room with May Matthews is a very different vibe going on over in your room, wasn't there? Yeah, there was always the fridge stocked with alcohol and, and smoke yeah. in the room all the time, which in those days you didn't think about much. And and it wasn't bad rooming with May because a lot of the times I had the room to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love the story. Um, I think it was Wayne Wayne Holdsworth's first game for New South Wales down in Victoria. And Henry, you were the captain. I think Cracker took six wickets in his first innings on debut. And that night, I think Cracker was rooming with you, Henry. So he had. He was indeed true story. Yeah, and I think Big Roy, Whitney, and, and Matthew said they took. T- took Cracker out for a celebratory drink and you said, make sure he's home not too late or he's not sleeping in here. And I think you, you dumped him on Henry's door about three in the morning, didn't you, Whit? It might have been about four in the morning. We hung him, we hung him on the doorknob and, <laughs> and then went to bed. And I remember Henry looking at me and May the next morning. He wasn't very happy. And I went, well, mate, he, he took six for it. He got, I think he got two in the first over. He did. So it was, uh, it was a, a time to celebrate. But, yes, the captain wasn't very happy and... <laughs> Um, we understood, you know, his dismay. Well, particularly as at that, that time, I also had my jaw wired up and I couldn't actually yell at anybody. Oh, Hen, remember that when you played with your busted jaw. <laughs> who, who was bowling? Was that Ambrose? Yeah, big curtly second ball I faced. But... Uh, In Perth? Yeah, Perth. Bit bit bouncy over there. Get back and across and get behind yeah. it, they used to say. Now, nobody gets behind it. No, they don't. 
You know, Shana, Mo and I have such an insane story about that whole incident because we were actually playing a Shield game yep. in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So the day's play finished and we had a couple of beers in the dressing room, went back to the hotel, getting ready to go out to dinner. And because of the time delay, the cricket was on. Cool. The test match was on the TV. And we sat down, man, and we watched that happen. And we were just oh, yeah. shocked. And I think you gave a thumbs up as you were going off, Hen, which made us feel a little bit better. But, yeah, we knew that you'd been struck. And, mate, you played the next game against uh, South Australia in Adelaide with a wired jaw about a yeah. month later. I got 70-odd. You did get 70-odd. And Peter Gladigal, under the instructions of, David Hook's bowling bounces around the wicket to you and you kept pumping him and you got 70-odd with a busted jaw. You beauty. I didn't get any LBWs, though. Isn't it? No, you because, appeal. No, your appeal was like this. <laughs> that was it. Max, <laughs> Max O'Connell kept asking me what I was, I was actually doing. Were well, you appealing for LBWs? <laughs> what about when you handed Tony Craft to the little pair of pliers? In case you had to cut them off while we were out on the ground. Oh, Henley was very brave, mate. Oh, very, really? very brave. Which leads us back to the to the cracker holes with debut because I was supposed to speak at the Australian Cricket Society that night. But of course, I had my jaw wide up. <laughs> we put cracker in for it at short notice. He'd never have done public speaking in his life. <laughs> oh, so we 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 g'd him up that he had to do it. It was his debut. It was a it was a tradition when New South Wales played Victoria that <laughs> you know the debutante would speak to the Australian Cricket Society, which is all bullshit, of course. Uh, but Cracker was that nervous, even though he he had a brilliant day. He said, "Take took six on debut, two two in his first two balls. I think should have had three. I think he had a sure. third one dropped. Correct. Uh, I've never seen a man so petrified. Uh, we told you you've got to put your blazer on your tie." And you've got to, got to leave the dressing room, walk into the, one of the committee rooms at the MCG and speak to the Australian Cricket Society. He was more frightened than he'd see facing Curly Ambrose. <laughs> and then at the last minute, it was like, no, no, crack, you don't have to do it. Uh, I, particularly after you had the big night the night before. <laughs> Mate, I, I, I saw Cracker speak once at a, uh, I think it was a Toyota function, and um, so he's, not one the, he's not one of the great afternoon speakers, but he, uh, he went through... He was sort of uh, short on a bit of material, so he went through all these different types of farts. He had like the jogger fart. Oh, no. Nah. Oh, yeah, and he had the, uh, just after a big curry fart. and then I'll tell you what he could do, Shano, the, including that yeah. first game down at the MCG. He bowled sharp, very, very quick. He did. Yeah, 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 he was quick. All right, I'll take a quick break now. Boys and Wall, some lunch. Um, the Wollongly Bay Hotel here, it's great pub grub, mate. Very good. I'm going to have the fish and chips. Um, I think Jeff was going to have the um, tempura prawns, I think. And Big Roy's going to have a schnitzel. Uh, and we'll wash that down with an O'Brien beer and maybe a little, little glass of red each as well. Let's get started. It's no secret I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch With Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful gin journal magazine, and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website www.ginsociety.com. 
All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com and just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansportshq.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Henry, what was the place you enjoyed touring the most? Well, the West Indies was a great place to tour. It just wasn't a great place to play cricket. Because the cricket was brutal between playing hours, but afterwards, you know, lots of beaches and good food and friendly people. So that, that was a terrific place socially to tour. But once again, the cricket, when we played there in the 80s, they had that, that great bowling lineup and, and great batting lineup. And the cricket was, was pretty testy, must be said. Yeah. But yeah, lots, lots of places. I mean, I... I quite enjoyed touring England. You know, you know, lucky to go on three Ashes tours, and and uh, you're in a in an English speaking place with Western food, and everyone speaks the same language. So that that was pretty good. Except, uh, you know, go to the pubs where everybody was allowed to smoke in the pubs. That was an absolute shocker. Um, <laughs> same as Australia, you used to let them smoke in the pubs. I saw Henry take a couple of cigarettes out of blokes' mouths and stuff them out. Yeah, hilarious <laughs> in those days. Well, we did have Benson and Hedges as a, the major sponsor. sponsor of Australian cricket. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And they bring all the cartons in every morning. You know, you don't have to encourage Dougie Walters or Mark O'Neill or Stumper to have a bunger, do you? Hang on, hang on. Let me mention one more. What about D. Boone? He didn't mind a curry in those days. He used to light them off each other. Unbelievable. And you, you had some good experiences bowling the Viv Richards. Want to tell a few of those stories? Well, you know, he was just, you know, they call him the master blaster. I get asked by some of the young boys down at Ramwick Petersham, would he hit a big six with the cricket bats today? Bloody as he would. And I go, mate, there wasn't a ground big enough to hold him in those days. Look, Shano, I was lucky that I actually knocked him over a few times. Mind you, it was the one that just left him and he was playing the expansive cover drive, yeah. you know, and, and wanting to whack you through the covers. But I found him, when I bowled one across him and it was on sort of, you know, off stump or fourth stump, and then he, he sort of whacked you through square leg, you've then got to adjust and you go a bit wider and he hits you through covers. So then you go the short ball and he pulls it and you start to say, where am I going to go here? And I had a little bit of success in a test match in Adelaide against the West Indies only because the ball really got roughed up early. It was a very, very hard, flat, beautiful Adelaide batting deck. 
and it started to swing Irish, which all of us, including Henry, myself, uh, Buzzard McNamara, Stephen, everybody who was playing in that era at the SCG learned how to swing the ball Irish. Yep. And it, it went in Adelaide and ended up taking seven for. And he actually came up to me after that day, Viv, and just patted me on the back and, well bored with us, well bored, well bored, you know, you know. So that was lovely. But, uh, yeah, just to have him on the register is nice. <laughs> Henry, who, who was the toughest batsman you, you bowled to in your time that you found really? Well, you, you just talked about one, didn't you? I mean, man, Viv through that era was uh, uh, probably the best player of the 80s, I, I reckon. I mean, he had, had a few guys to match him. I mean, Jarvan, me and Dad uh, yes. was pretty good. I mean, Great record in, in Pakistan. Obviously, never got given out LBW or probably caught behind. <laughs> but, he, but even so, having said that, when he came to Australia, he still batted very well in Australian conditions. And not too many other Pakistani, Indian or Sri Lankan players did play well in Australia. But uh, Jarvis could certainly do that. Uh, bowling to David Gower when he was in touch. You know, mm. he could play any shot to any ball. Uh, so when he got going, and particularly a couple of times at straight 82, 83, he made some hundreds where you, you just couldn't stop him from scoring. Mm. You got the Zaria Basses and uh, those sorts of – I played you know, played against India. I didn't play any tests against India, but I played a bit of white ball cricket and, and guys like Gavaska in the home conditions, pretty tough. So, But I could just name you the, the West Indian batting lineup of the 80s and that would do, you know, you know Greenwich, Greenwich and Haynes to start off with. Then Richards, then Lloyd, then you'd have a choice of Gus, Gus Logie or you know, Jeff Dujon had come in up the order. Uh, just Richie Richardson after that. I mean, they, they were all fantastic players. If you're enjoying this episode of Lunch with Lee with Jeff Lawson and Mike Whitney, maybe check out a previous episode with Brad Hodge and Damien Fleming. We talk all things cricket and Victoria. I think these days, too, guys, I think. Um, Look, look at the players playing, they're earning a lot more money. It's going to be really, really hard for them to, I think, to adapt to life after sport. Which, which you, you've had 26 years working at Channel 7, Sydney Weekender, like, which is an amazing milestone, mate. And I, I don't know, you've you got Polaroids of Kerry Stokes or something. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's amazing effort, mate. 26 years in the one job there. That's bloody well done. Thank you, Shano, and, and it is amazing. that The more I think about it and the older you get, you know, I mean, people just don't have that opportunity anymore to stay at one place and do the one show. And that's got a – it speaks volumes yeah. for the people who created Sydney Weekender and how we've sort of just remoulded it a little bit here and there over the last, you know, 25, 26 years just to make it, um, you know, stay up with, with, with what people expect, modern TV and – but look, to host the show, mate, look, and we're basically yeah. in New South Wales, so we've already talked about, you know, what I love about being a blue bag. Well, I've had the opportunity to travel around New South Wales for 26 years and we live in the most amazing state, Shano. There's, yeah, fantastic. You know, we've got rainforest, we've got desert, we've got some of the most amazing rivers, we've got snow and everything in between that in the one state mm. and it is a really beautiful place. And when you get out and about... But, you know, and I love living in Sydney, but when you get out to the bush and when Henry talks about it, he's, a, he's from Wagga Wagga, you meet the country people, mate, and they're so welcoming and warming and most of them do know the cricket. So, you know, they go, oh, yeah, we love when you played the cricket and now you've got this great gig coming out to visit us. So <laughs> it's been fantastic. And, you know, you mentioned Kerry Stokes. 
I've got to thank Kerry and, and all the people at Seven for giving me the opportunity to stay there. And I'm there for another year, Shane. So I've just, I've just bundied in again for next year. Well done. Well done. Be in the 27th year, yeah. So you'll be the 27 club, yeah, beautiful. Hey, Henry, you, you took up, um, and you, mate, first thing I want to say, mate, you, you were the best bowling coach I ever worked with, mate, so thank you for that. But uh, obviously coaching was a big thing for you post-cricket. Mate, you, you coached Pakistan. Mate, how, how was that? That was fascinating. In fact, as we speak, I'll just tape the, uh, the Bin Laden episode on uh, the History Channel. I've just watched it, just finished watching it. And and I watch it really closely because a part of that fascination of being in Pakistan is is I was a couple of hundred meters from the house where Bin Laden where they got him. Oh wow! Uh, a couple of times uh, had the team up at uh, at Abbottabad at the Army School of Physical Training. We had the whole Pakistan squad there, and Bin Laden was literally living across the road. Jeez! And one day we were coming down the road, uh, a road we hadn't taken before, and. I said to my 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 physical trainer, a guy called Dave Dwyer, who's a good Randwick boy. I said, Dave Dwyer, have a look at that place down there. That looks a bit unusual. That doesn't fit the local scenery. <laughs> and we didn't think any more about it until about four years later when they Jeez. showed it as the place that the Army SEALs or the Navy SEALs and got Bin Laden in. So that's a part of the fascination. But but it's a fabulous game. The people are wonderful. They, the cricket is their game. We talk about cricket being a religion in India. Well, I think it's even more so in Pakistan. Sure. Uh, you get so much respect from the players and the people and the fans uh, because you come from Australia uh, and because you've played test cricket. Uh, but I just had a, had a wonderful time there. Made lots of friends, saw some, some amazing sights. Uh, sadly, uh, they didn't fulfil the rest of my contract when they, they had a, a national election and and the, the, a new party got into power and I didn't stay mm. there for the full two years. I didn't get to go up to the mountain passes uh, right up there at, at 15, 10,000 feet and all that sort of stuff. But uh, fascinating time. Loved my cricket, loved the people and uh, I, I love going back there still and visiting. It would have been would have been amazing if, if you actually found Bin Laden. And, and how would have you bowled to him, you reckon, Henry? Well, it was wearing those open-toed sandals, so you had to go Yorker, wouldn't you? Yeah, swinging yes, Yorker. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Bit of reverse swing on the big toe, yeah, I reckon. Knock him over. Hey, I ask every guest, and I ask you first, Whit, um, what advice would you give to a, a young up-and-coming cricketer today? That's a very good question, Shane, because, as you know, I'm heavily involved at Randwick Petersham. I've been the president there for 20 years, and I'm down at training most days at Snake Park. And I would say to them, forget about the money, play the game for love, train hard and be the best player and the best person that you can be. And if that's fifth grade, then that's fifth grade. You've got to be happy with that. But I've had a few parents say to me already, you know, my son will play in the IPL and make a fortune. And I don't think that's the right manner to be thinking of if you want to be a professional cricketer because we all know that if you do really well, the money will take today, care of itself. Yeah, and it's it's all it's just going to come anyway. You're going to you're going to get a good contract for New South Wales or Australia. You're going to play in the IPL or these other T20s around the world, and you're going to make some really really good money. So I don't think that should be the first thing in people's minds, particularly young players' minds, because they know there's a lot of money around now. Yeah. I mean, the money's just unbelievable. It should be about training hard, being in the nets, understanding the game, asking the older players what they think, all the things that happened. And this happened naturally in Henry and my time. Yeah. That was just how it, it happened now. 
but, you know, flashy lights, television screens, a lot of money, it can just, yeah. you know, draw your focus away from what you should be concentrating on. And Henry, what advice would you give to a young cricketer? Uh, well, certainly along the same lines. I mean, you, you cannot play the game for money. That cannot be yours, your motivation for playing cricket. But it's enjoy the people around you. Whether you, as we say, when you're playing fifth grade, you're going to enjoy the, the people you play with, enjoy the community of cricket. And that's, I mean, that's how I grew up at Wagga. I mean, you know, you want to play the best you can and, and rewards follow that, but uh, you just want to play with your mates. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to enjoy the friendship that comes with the clubs, the connections you make. Uh, and, and, and these days, you know, we, we, we played an era where it was nearly all male cricket. Now, there's so many young girls out there playing. I was down at the nets at Roland Park the other day helping out Steve Hertzberg with his under-13s. And the <laughs> next net was, was, a, was a bunch of like 13-year-old girls. It was just fabulous. You know, and that, that's one of the great joys I think the game's bringing now is that the, the girls and the boys who used to have to play together can play their own competitions and the game's expanding because of that. So, look, I've got to say, you know, I've played a lot with Wit and played a bit with you, Shane, but gosh, he caged you. Yes. I reckon the, the, the thing we all have in common is that we, we enjoy playing. We enjoy turning up. 100%. And just getting on with the game. And, and Shane, yourself, you always like a good laugh, mate. Yep, I it do. It's always good to have you on the park making sure you, you kept Brad McNamara under control. <laughs> um, wasn't easy. It just, wasn't easy. No, but just obviously enjoying what you were doing and, and not worrying about the paycheck. 100%. I think too, Henry, interested in your comments on this. Um, I know for me personally, I, I went to university while, whilst I was playing. I, I, I sort of felt I needed a bit of a fallback position where my brother Brett didn't have that. And Brett said if he didn't make it in cricket, he was stuffed, he said. So there's two ways to look at that. Is it good to have that fallback or not? I know you... You're an optometrist, trained optometrist. What What are your thoughts on that, having a fallback? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, I came out from Wagga uh, to become an optometrist and go back to a business back in Wagga. It was already organised that I'd be I'd have a partnership at, you know, age 23 and, you know, I could enjoy living at Wagga, have a, have a, have a good yep. living. Uh, that that was the plan. And, and But I loved playing my cricket and obviously just did well and uh, cricket took over. But yeah, always had the fallback. You know, if I did do a, a career finishing injury, I could go and be an optometrist. You know, if if the selectors dropped you, yep. uh, I'd go and do some optometry, which which I did, and I, I tried to do both of those things for, for quite a while during the early eighties. Mm-hmm. And it meant I didn't have a lot of spare time. Didn't have any video games to distract me. <laughs> That's good. But yeah, to me, having that fallback was was just a, a you know a, a great thing to have because there's never any pressure on me. Hey, Whit, I know you love your music, mate. Are you still fronting the Mike Whitney band or have you moved on? What's happening there? Uh, we shut the Mike Whitney band down and at, at the same time, uh, Wayne Pierce and the big hitters, yep. who were basically the same players but just take Junior Pierce out and put me in. <laughs> or take me out. Although we played a lot of different music, yep. they were basically the same drummer, same bass player, same guitarist. Cool. So we decided to shut those down and we've started – with another guy called Andrew Dawson. He had this setup called Oz Icons. Okay. And it's it's pretty much the same players again, but with Junior Pierce, with Junior Pierce and me, with me and Eric Growth, with Eric Growth on his own. So Guru, Junior and me can all be at the one gig or there can be two of us there or one of us there. And it's been fantastic. And because Andrew Dawson's such a great muso, he plays keyboards and stuff like that. Um having the keys in the band now has really opened it up. At the same time, though, I've been getting together with Gav Robbo, 
Richard Cheekwee. Yeah. Spud, Spud Carroll. Geez, you're still on six and out members now, mate. Yeah, Eric Grove, <laughs> yeah, uh, and Andrew Dawson as well. And we've been rehearsing, thinking about, you know, putting something together fantastic. as a bit of a show band as well, and that's been fantastic, yeah. Well, boys, I want to thank you both for, for coming on the show. I want to thank you both personally for um, for treating me the way that you treated me in the early days and, and, and throughout my whole career and, and treating me about yeah, the respect for the blue cap, respect for your, for, for your teammates, and just being all around good guys. Mate. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Means a lot to me. Absolute Shana, joy, can, mate. Absolute pleasure. Can I say one thing just before we go? Sure, mate. I had the opportunity of opening the bowling with Jeff Lawson for a decade, and it was just the most wonderful thing. He was just he Henry's. We'll never tell you this, but Henry was one of the best, and I had the opportunity to be at the other end for a decade, and it was an absolute pleasure, my old mate. Let me tell you. Well, I used to hit the seam the first six balls anyway. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure. And Shano, it was great seeing you coming in, mate, in those early days. Young, fit, long blonde hair, fresh, <laughs> fast, great arm, great bat, great bowler. So, pleasure to see you, mate. Pleasure to be here today. Thanks, guys. Good on you, brother. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Mike Whitney and Jeff Lawson. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes and making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports, and O'Brien Beer. And a big thank you to the Woolloomooloo Bay Hotel for the lovely lunch they provided today. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. And come check us out in our socials. I'm a Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be checking some more complete legends about sport, music and business on another cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you there. (laughs) 